Ooh, good morning, everyone. The Spirit is in this place. Starting out this morning uh, with this story, my wife and I had had another fight. It was getting to be a regular thing. This one was bigger than normal, although it was getting to be a regular thing for him to be kind of big, too. What was different was that I was uh, giving up. Uh, not on marriage, because I grew up in a divorced home, and I knew kids need both parents in the house, but I was just going to find a way to live around her, just not provoke, not interact, just get the job done for the kids. In my head, this plan made perfect sense. And then I went to my men's breakfast group uh, following morning, sat down, and the first guy who walks in looks at me and goes, What's going on with you? I said, nothing, I'm fine. And he said, really? So now I'm either going to have to lie or tell the truth. So I, I didn't even get my mouth open. And I realized, my plan is crazy. You can't live in a marriage like that. You can't have a family like that. That's not good for kids to be like that. All I had to do was just look at another human being and know what I was about to say was not going to go over. Then I realized what had happened. I'd bought a ticket to Crazy Town. You ever been to Crazy Town? Crazy Town down the road. Population one. Population one in Crazy Town because all the ideas you're having just make perfect sense to you. And there's no one else around to challenge or even make you think twice. That's Crazy Town. So I ended up just telling the truth one by one. The rest of the guys come in for breakfast. They um, say, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, Ashley thinks we need to go to marriage counseling, but, and they're like, but what? And then I realize again, I'm a pastor. I've recommended dozens of couples go to marriage counseling. Why do I think we don't need marriage counseling? Because I'm in crazy town, population one, where all bad ideas are just as good as good ideas. So they tell me about their counseling experiences. They recommend a counselor. They add a little accountability. We're going to ask you next week to make sure you made that appointment. Now let me just close the loop on that story. Uh, my wife and I are best friends. And we learned in that counselor's office that we just had a lot of misunderstandings about our personality and how we grew up and how we hear things, what you said, what I heard. You know, um, we know and care for each other so much better these last eight years than we did for those first 15. My question for this morning is, where would my marriage be without those guys at that breakfast? What if I lived 24 hours a day, seven days a week in crazy town, population one? Like some of you have to. Here's a statistic that has not changed in 30 years of preaching. One in five men say they have no close friends. One in three men say they have no best friend. That's 50% higher than women will answer either of those questions. How many other marriages this morning, how many other families this morning are suffering because the man in the house has no one but himself, believing satanic distortions about his wife and about his kids because he lives in crazy town, population one, because he has no friends Friends are a powerful force in our lives. Now, sometimes a wife or a girlfriend may be threatened when a man 
has friends. Even the man himself may be threatened by friends, believing that friends will be a distraction from the family and that he won't be there and be available for what they need and they may passively or actively resist a man having friends. But let me tell you what really happens in a relationship uh, when a man has friends. So not so long ago, one of my kids is starting to worry me. One of my kids getting weird. Um, so I go to my breakfast group and I said, hey, same breakfast group now, you know, seven years later. Hey, last night I told my kid to dress out for sports practice. And, he, and the kid explodes. The kid says, why? Why do we have to go to that three times a week? I, I bet you can't give me one good reason. I said, I'll do better than that. I'll give you three good reasons. First, the human body is built to move. It's not, built to sit or, it's not meant to sit around and watch a screen all day. And so sports will give you energy and motivation for all sorts of things in life. Two, the human mind is built for social interaction and camaraderie and friendship. It's not meant to sit at home all night watching other people live fake lives on some app. Three, the achievements like you can achieve in this sport, they bring pride and confidence. They teach you the reality that these things take years, not days. And they teach you this great life lesson that sometimes the way to something great is by passing through something hard. And my kid says, yeah, but why? I bet you can't give me one good reason. (laughs) And my my friend, he starts cracking up. He's like, oh man, you could be doing an impersonation of my kid. And I'm like, your kids are awesome. Like, your kids do that? He's like, oh yeah, just exactly like what you're doing. And all the other dads at the table are nodding. Now this may sound like it's a bunch of dads griping about their kids, but let me tell you what's really happening. I am learning that with teenagers, it's okay if they're really irrational sometimes. I don't need to freak out. I don't need to think the kid is mentally unbalanced, that logic has escaped the child, that the kid's headed for a life of living on the van down by the river. I can just be calm, nod along, okay, but we're dressing out, and I can just stay calm. The kid may be in crazy town, but I don't need to go too. That's what happens. Now, where would I be as a parent without those guys at that breakfast? I'd be parenting out of crazy town, population one. Friends are a powerful force in our life. Now, this is not a psychotherapy session. This is the wisdom of Scripture demonstrated the bible talks about crazy town population one when in proverbs fourteen twelve it says there is a path before each person that seems right but it ends in death proverbs fifteen twenty two says plans go wrong for lack of advice many advisors bring success everyone enjoys a fitting reply it's wonderful to say the right thing at the right time That's what happens when men get together for one reason or another and then they start talking and in the way that only guys can to keep each other on track. Men are a, uh, friends are a powerful force in our life and men, friends bring joy and fun into our lives and for a lot of you, it's been a long, long time since you had any real joy or fun. You've basically settled in to go to work, come home, taxi kids around town. Go to work, come home, change diapers. Go to work, come home, stare at a screen all night. Wash, rinse, repeat. 
wash, rinse, repeat. The sheer monotony and the pointlessness of it all, the never-ending, driving, grinding cycle is putting you in a frame of mind where you have all sorts of thoughts and weird behaviors coming out of you that you don't want to have. But don't you know that our God is a God of joy? Our God is a God who has laid down patterns of work and celebration, work and rest to break this cycle in our lives. We made a video a few years ago called The Theology of Fun. I'd like to share that with you again. This entire planet was constructed for our race of people to come and play. Play? As advanced as you obviously are, can you still play? Yes, play, Mr. Sulu. More complex the mind, the greater the need for the simplicity of play. Exactly, Captain. How very perceptive of you. I had a friend once who said he never played. He said that he believed and that he'd learned it from his dad. If you have time to play, you have time to do more work. We weren't friends very long. For the last eight years, I have made a serious commitment to honoring this facet of God. And I've tried to guide us into embodying fun into the life of our congregation. Now, the staff have started calling this the theology of fun. Now, I'm aware of how silly that sounds. But if theology is knowing God, and if fun is a facet of who God is, then there must be a place in theology for fun. C.S. Lewis wrote an essay called The Four Loves. And in the chapter on Christian friendship, I was persuaded that we become friends not because we have an immediate, deep, heartfelt concern or love for one another. We become friends at first because we like doing something together. There's something we enjoy in common. We like having fun. Now, out of that relationship through the years, all sorts of deeper things happen. But the relationship begins with fun, and it keeps coming back to fun. If we don't have fun together, there's no basis for ever becoming friends, and no reason to stay friends. We'll just stop spending time together. Fun, it seems, is the root of fellowship. The wonder God calls for so many festivals and celebrations in the scriptures spread throughout the entire year. Times of work always followed by times of play. In Deuteronomy 16, Moses tells the people, have a party for seven days, seven straight days to remember that it's God who gave you harvest and work to do and the results of that work. Make these seven days a time of great joy for everyone. Now it seems to us that fun is distracting from what's really important. But the truth is that work and worry are the distraction. Constantly producing, worrying, laboring, controlling. These things don't bring out Christ in us. No wonder God created the Sabbath, God's way of saying, stop and remember who you really are. Stop and let me be God. Have a festival, have a celebration, for in fun, you're going to look around and you'll be reminded what it is you've been working so hard for. We demonstrate in those moments that we believe we were made for joy that God wants us to have joy. And God is sovereign. And if he wants us to have joy, we will have it regularly. When we are having fun, we are closer to the kingdom of God. Of course, it is possible to take fun too far. All of God's blessings 
can be dangerous to us if they're taken in the wrong way, in the wrong time, in the wrong proportion. Sex, good food, sleep, they're all life-giving, but they can all be taken too far. But I'm going to say in all seriousness, in my career in ministry in the suburbs, I have not yet met a man or woman who's in serious danger of having too much fun. So let us, this family we call Lakeland Community, be a family marked by God's joy. Let there be fun. Let there be singing contests and camping and guy movie night, plays and practical jokes and scavenger hunts. Go to concerts and visit arcades together. Play volleyball and go on vacation together. Let there be board games and hiking and standing around talking about Star Wars or Star Trek. We love all kinds here. Let us be a people of joy, for joy is the serious business of heaven. Okay, before we go further, let's talk about um, this. Uh, what about our sisters? What about uh, the women in the church, our sisters in Christ? Are they isolated? Are they living without friends and living in crazy town, population one? Absolutely. And men who keep their wives away from friendship and, and whine when their wives try to go have fun, they are also poisoning their own home and setting themselves up to live with someone who's doing everything out of crazy town. So why is this message about male friendship and not just friendship? Uh, and it's for this one reason. I, I have a suspicion that women uh, make friends differently. They use different methods to make friends than men do. And I, and I hope Pastor Marta may address some of that next week. And you men will want to be here for that because you need to know what your wife needs so that you can support her, so that you can encourage her, so you can understand her inner workings, so you can understand what she's reaching out for that doesn't look like that to you, but that's what it is for her, just like she needs to understand your needs and, and what's going on with you, because a lot of wives, I think, are going to leave here surprised today. I think a lot of wives are going to walk out of here today and say, I didn't know you needed that. Because the rest of this time we're going to spend this morning uh, will be to answer this question. How do I, as a man, get this power of friendship into my life? So the first thing you need to know is that men don't usually make friends because they want friends. In fact, if you're a man kind of moping around saying, oh, I wish I had some friends, sadly, it will never happen. It will never happen that way. Friends come because you like doing something else. Do you see the difference? Lovers enjoy each other's company. Lovers enjoy talking and dreaming and sharing and touching and experiencing things together, even if it's just an ice cream cone. I'm so glad I got to be here today and share this ice cream cone with you. That's what lovers do. That's not what friends do. But friends, particularly male friends, they love something else. And friends are merely someone to enjoy that with. Do you need an example? Let's say you love watching sports. I see all the red in the room. You love playing sports. You will gather a group around you who love watching it and love playing it as much as you do. And those are your friends. 
You may love fixing broken things and taking on household projects. You and I are not going to hit it off, but you may <laughs> love that sort of stuff. It's more fun to fix things uh, with them than without them because you can sit around and you can scratch your head and chin and you can plot and you can scheme and you can compare tools and you can conquer that thing together. Those are your friends. You may love Star Wars. You may love Harry Potter. You may love Marvel. And you love talking about that stuff. You can't get enough. So you look around and you find there are other guys who also love talking about that stuff as much as you do. And you don't have to be embarrassed around them when you're geeking out over the Mandalorian. Oh, Moff Gideon has the Black Saber. Do you know what the Black Saber is? Do you remember from the cartoon? They're not yawning and rolling their eyes because you went there. Because they love this stuff as much as you do. Those are your friends. So you'll have to look inside yourself and ask this question. What do I really enjoy? Now for some of you, that's going to be a hard question to answer. Because for a, a long time now, you've been treating fun and hobbies as like, a a networking tool or a business tactic. I mean, some of you actually love softball. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about those of you who play softball because that's what everybody at the office does or, or that's what people do and you don't like it. Some of you love watching the game. You can't wait. You wish it was starting right now. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about those of you who watch the game and you always fall asleep in the first 10 or 15 minutes because you don't really like it. But that's what everybody does. You torture your soul every time you participate in an activity like that that you don't really enjoy. And you push down deeper and deeper the things you really do enjoy. Some of you have been doing this for so long, you don't remember anymore. But think back to the last time you really had friends. You may have been 12 years old. What were you doing together? Can you picture it? What were you doing? Why couldn't you do that now? It just starts when you're standing around with a bunch of guys and you say, hey, do you like mountain biking? Hey, do you like escape rooms? This is a little geeky, but do you like museums? Do you follow soccer? And don't be sad when they say, no, not really. They're doing the right thing for them. They shouldn't be pretending to like what you like so that you'll like them. That's how we all got in this mess. They're doing the right thing. Just ask them, well, what do you enjoy? Maybe there's a match. Maybe there isn't. It's fine. Begin to pray. God, will you go on this adventure with me to find a guy who still wants to build and paint plastic models? who still wants to make time for fly fishing, who still wants to go to the gym, not because it's an obligation, because they like it, who still wants to watch old war movies, who would park a car here in the driveway in a warm day, we could detail our cars, who still collects vintage toys. And don't forget, some of you enjoy the Bible at a different level, a super nerdy level. I mean, we all ought to read the scriptures Uh, devotionally but some of you like it at a level that goes way way deeper than that Um, if that's you 
at a hobby level, you need to take out your app and look for Men's Discipleship Breakfast and join us the first and third Saturday mornings. When we go at a level of thoughtfulness and depth, I can't make this thing boring enough that guys will quit coming to it because I figured out it's a bunch of Bible nerds. We want to spend an hour on one verse? They're fine because Bible nerds can't be stopped. If you think that might be me, Come join us at Men's Discipleship Breakfast. If you think, that's not me, that's fine. Read your Bible devotionally. You don't have to come amongst the geek squad. Now, right now, someone in the room is saying, this isn't right. This isn't friendship. You might write me a pass on the Bible one. That sounds pretty good. But the rest of it, that's wasting time. There's no God in that. There's no care in that. There's no relationship in that. Uh, And you're dead wrong about that. This is how men come together. Not knowing this is why one in five men have no close friends. This is what holds us together. This is where that deep trust and relationship and all those words we're not going to use for the rest of this message. Um, But this is where that is found. This is where that grows out of. They start doing things they enjoy and then other things come along the way. So I play fantasy role-playing games. Oh my gosh, like Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, a lot like Dungeons and Dragons. Um, It is not Satanism. Geraldo, 60 Minutes, uh, God bless him, Dr. Dobson. They did not know what they were talking about. We roll dice. We talk in bad fake accents. We eat a lot of homemade salsa. That's about the summation of the evening. (laughs) But we do it every other Saturday for the last 11 years for the group I'm in. 35 years for me. But somewhere between the fake accents and, hey, who ate all the chips, we get a call that one of the boys has been injured, and we stop and we pray for that man's son right there at the table. One guy comes in, he's grumpy. He's really grumpy. I'm like, uh, could you see me upstairs for a second? We often go upstairs to share secrets for that night's game. But once we got up there, I said, are you okay? And he said, I guess I'm not. So my dad's sick and in the hospital, and I, I guess it's bugging me a lot more than I realize. Did he go home that night to his wife and kids more aware of his feelings, less reacting out of crazy town? I think he did. One guy came in all size and he said, my wife really hates how much time this club takes. Now, I don't know how long, where he thought that conversation was going, but here's where it went. We said, do you serve her on the 13 days between these clubs meetings? I mean, or are you just absorbed in other hobbies, watching screens all the time, working all the time? Is she really on you for spending twice a month with friends? Or is she really trying to tell you that you're not spending time with her between. And one guy from that group called another guy from that group and said, I have an addiction that I've been dragging around for 35 years. And I bought this Christian recovery program, but you can't do it by yourself. Would you go through this with me? Strangers can't talk to each other like this, but friends can. But men are not going to start there. They're not going to start praying for each other's kids and helping each other mourn aging parents and challenging each other to make more time for family and breaking free of addiction. That all is earned in brotherhood. And brotherhood 
is earned riding motorcycles, practicing at the shooting range, playing guitar, and playing Rainbow Siege 6. I see that hand. (laughs) Now, some of you need to take a friendship inventory, and you need to do a little cleaning house. Because some of you are running around with a group of guys you call friends, but they're never going to get to anything we've been describing here this morning. They're never going to do any of that stuff for you. When you get together with these guys, all you do is gripe about and run down your wives. Uh, They don't help you get out of addiction. They feed it. You get buzzed. You might use a little something illegal. Um, You swear. You tell foul jokes. You make racist statements. If Jesus walked by you with this group of friends, you would be utterly ashamed to be seen. You need to exit those relationships. Proverbs 14, 7. Stay away from fools. You won't find knowledge on their lips. Proverbs 22. Don't don't befriend angry people and associate with hot-tempered people. Oh, you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise, become wise. Associate with fools, get into trouble. Proverbs 18, 24, there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. But wait, some of you are saying, I thought we were supposed to be friends of sinners like Jesus was. Supposed to reach the lost. That's right. Is that what you've been doing? When Jesus hung out with sinners, and you bet he did, he was still Jesus. He didn't become like them. He didn't get drawn into their world. He was drawing them into his kingdom. I don't don't know if that's what you've been doing. If that's what you want to do, you can do that. You can do that. We are here to build an authentic community of Jesus Christ. Are you inviting them into this community? Are you drawing them into this world of light? Or are you being drawn into their world of darkness? You've got to choose. You can do this, but you've got to pick. This isn't something where you go and do all that awful stuff. You talk about Jesus for 30 seconds and write it off on your God taxes. Uh, God's not going to be tricked by that. The prudent understand where they are going, but fools deceive themselves. Proverbs 14, 7. So yes, if you want to be an evangelist, if you want to live like Jesus only, if you want to bring them into the house of God, then do that. Quit playing around or get out. Now, I know what happens when you get out. Then you're alone. Those guys are your security blanket. It's a pretty smelly blanket, but it's the only one you got. You're going to have to rebuild, but you have to go where the, the, the godly men are. Where are the godly men? They're going to be in the lobby here in like 15 minutes. Why are you only here every other week or so? Why are you dashing out of here like you've got someplace important to be? The brothers you need and want, they're here. They're sitting all around you. Now, we're all facing forward, so this isn't really conducive to forming friendships. You've got to get to where you can rub elbows and talk with them. You've got to be serving alongside them. The men of God just came from upstairs, or, or they're upstairs right now, wrangling our sons and daughters in the campfire room. They're leading game station and scripture memory station. I wish you could see what I saw in a scripture memory station. Did an observation there like a month ago. Wish you could see Brian and Carrie Bubalo teach our sons and daughters the scriptures. Brian Bubalo gave his life to this community as a coach and a teacher. And now he's retired. Is he kicking back? No, 
if he's upstairs teaching our sons and daughters the scriptures. You got to get up there and serve next to Brian Bubalo. That's a man of God. The men of God are in respite care. They're here a Saturday a month giving an evening for the, for the foster care community here in our midst. And if you don't think there's some boys there that need other men in their lives, well, you know there are. You got to come Thursday night to our facility night. Those guys come in and they're fixing and remodeling the building and they're having fun together and they're forming friendships while they do it. They transform this place every seven days. And the men of God, they're keeping their eyes fixed on our new Forge men's ministry. So the men's ministry here at Lakeland that we're starting, it's being built on these principles that we're discussing here today. And it's happening in three tiers. And the first tier is interest groups. Men finding things they enjoy and doing them together. Now, we need leaders for those. I can't lead them all, especially the ones that I'm not interested in. Um, <laughs> can't lead them all. Now, some of you are like, oh, I love what you're talking about. I love some of the things you're talking about. I love things similar to stuff you're talking about, but I can't be a leader. Mm, I bet you can. I bet you have a weird tape in your head about what leader means or a weird picture in your head. Um, allow me to replace that. To be a leader of a forage interest group, you just got to be able to say four things. If you can say these four things, you're in. First thing you need to be able to say is, this is what we're doing. All right, this group is for training for marathons. This group is for playing 1980s Nintendo games until we re-beat them all. This group is for reading all the Christian works of Thomas Merton. This group is going to plan and execute uh, four camping trips a year. This is what we're doing. If you can say that, you're a quarter of the way there to being a Forge uh, interest team leader. Second thing you need to be able to say is, this is when we're meeting. It's Saturdays at 10 a.m. It's first Mondays of the month at 8 p.m. Don't run around, when can you meet? When are you free? When can you be there? That'll never happen. You'll never scoop it together. The leader says it's uh, first, it's uh, second Tuesdays at 6.30. Be there, because this is going to be awesome. And then everybody who loves it makes it happen. If you can say that, you're halfway there. Next thing you need to be able to say is, I got a lot of nods in first service on this. This is when it starts. Now it's time to start. So everybody's coming in, they're milling around, they're talking. They're like, oh, I don't want to interrupt everybody's conversation. They're just killing time. They came to do the thing. They want somebody to stand up and say, it's 7 o'clock. It's time to start the thing. And then when the clock has run out, everybody's talking like, oh, I don't want to interrupt conversation and this is community and maybe we could just linger all night. Oh, no, nobody wants that. <laughs> nobody wants that. They want you to say, no, it's time to stop. If they really hate it, then they can sit there and talk all the end of the night and you can go on home. But, uh, but uh, they, they want somebody to say, now it's time to stop. Even if you get the, ah, that's good. That's good. Leave them wanting more. You say, I'm glad you're having fun. We'll be back next week, next month. So now it's time to start. Now it's time to stop. And, the, and, and you're three quarters of the way to being an interest group leader. Last thing you need to be able to say is, yes, we're still meeting. Never cancel. Never cancel. Well, so-and-so is going to be gone. So-and-so's gone half the time, and somebody's always missing. Come on. Yes, we're still meeting. Oh, it might be bad weather tomorrow. In Missouri, it always might be bad weather tomorrow. So, yeah, we're still meeting. Somebody will make it in. Everybody's canceled except for me and so-and-so. Jesus Christ said, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, I am there. God will do amazing things on that night that 29 people canceled, and it was just you and so-and-so, one of the best men's breakfasts we ever had. Just one other guy showed up, and we did the study, and we had a great talk. And you know what came out of that day? He took over the food part 
of the ministry. Now, I only tended to do men's breakfast a year or two and then see if somebody else would like to pick that up. But when he took over the food part, well, I can stand up and talk for eons, as you well know. And so that made it super easy. That ministry's gone on for 10 years now because we showed up when it was just one other guy. So yes, we're still meeting. If you can say those four things, you can be a Forge interest group leader. You need to talk to me. You need to talk to Lenny Prestia or Jordan Parrish or Jake Carlson, and, and we'll have you in and hear your idea. One other thing you need to be able to say is Forge men's ministry events are alcohol-free. Alcohol-free. Let's talk about that for a second. I thought this was Presbyterian, and they like drink. Here at Lakeland, most folks don't believe it is a sin to drink, uh, unless you get drunk, and then it is. But alcohol in relationship, it, it can be a distraction. It can be a crutch. We do have some guys around here that can't be in a social setting without alcohol in their hand. And they get real sweaty and nervous and may not even show up if you say something is alcohol-free. And that's not a good sign. Okay, That means something's not quite right. Wearing jewelry is not a sin either, but I don't let you wear jewelry in the karate class I teach. You know, jewelry gets snagged on people and things. Jewelry creates hang-ups. You can unintentionally hurt someone with your jewelry in karate class. So it's not a sin, but it just doesn't have any useful place. And alcohol has no useful place in a men's ministry where the whole thing's about forming authentic, real friendships and relationships. That's all. Not to mention all the guys who have come to the church to escape alcohol addiction. They need to know that every men's ministry event is a safe place for them. Other church events and other church leaders around here do whatever you want with this. If you enjoy a beer after you cut the grass, fine with me. It's just not in a ministry where we're focused on real connection, having real joy and enjoyment with others. That's all. Easy enough? That's tier one interest groups. Tier two is retreats. Once a year, sometimes twice, uh, we want to have a wide open calling all men men's retreat. Now, our first one coming this year, if you want to start uh, getting your dates uh, pecked into your phone here, um, is May 1st through 3rd. May 1st through 3rd, we're going to go down to Eminence, Missouri, and we are going to camp. We are going to build fires we're without uh, lighter fluid. Uh, we are going, that's a contest. We're, we're going to have uh, f- f- floaty races. We're, we're going to have archery. We're going to have games. We're going to have so much, uh, capture the flag in the dark like we're all still 12. Um, we got all these ideas, so many I can't even list them all. It filled the whole marker board. And so that's what we're doing May 1st through 3rd. Now, It is camping, and I know some of you are like, I just can't camp. I can't camp anymore. I totally get it. That's why we're having two men's retreats this year. Second one, you'll want to write this down. October 9 through 11, October 9 through 11, we're going to go over to DeSoto, Kansas for our Warriors, Philosophers, Monks, and Bards men's retreat. Uh, This has camping. It also has indoor rooms. We may even come up with a deal where you can pay us a bunch of money and get a room all to yourself. Um, We'll just buy extra hot dogs with it. We've got, uh, it's going to have hiking. It's going to have board games. It's going to have video games. It's going to have running. It's going to have fighting. It's going to have learning. Did he say fighting? Yes, he did. Um, It's going to be, you know, geeking out time it's a pick your own poison retreat and if you want to hear about all this stuff then you go on your app or go on your computer and put yourself on lakeland connect in the forge men's ministry group and you'll receive 
information about all these things as they come up. That's tier two. And then the final tier um, is on the missing page. Evidently, I remember it, though. Uh, The final tier is a, a, a foreign mission trip that all of us guys can go on together and see what God does there. So we've got our eye on Jamaica. We've got our eye on West Africa. Um, we may have some other ideas by the time the time comes. So sign up to hear about those things. And this is how it starts. These, these small steps begin your journey out of isolation and into everything we talked about last week and all the community that we'll talk about for the rest of our life here at church. Show up where the godly men are. Remember, rekindle what it is you really enjoy. Share that with other guys until you find the group that matches. Maybe 12 months from now, there'll be a small band of brothers here that includes you. And all of it to get this last verse of wisdom into our lives. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend.